James chapter 1. And I'm just going to read two verses for you. And then I'll just show you a couple of things here in the book of James. And then we'll get into the message. James chapter 1 and verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then and chapter 4 verse 8, it says, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Okay, and so right there we see twice that uh, phrase or that uh, name, double-minded. And I think we all know what that means. That's somebody who's just kind of they can't make up their mind. They're kind of stuck between two things. They're trying to decide between one and another. And we see there in James when someone is double-minded, they're unstable in all their ways. And tonight I want to talk about how to have stability. In your home, unfortunately, homes today are not strong. They are not stable. Children have no stability in their homes, and I and even in what we would call Christian homes, people who go to church, who call themselves followers of Christ, I mean, it's it's you know troubled waters in those homes. And I believe one of the main problems is there's a lot of double-mindedness going on in that home. And the problem in most Christian homes today. I believe are just families. They're trying to figure out how they can have the best in both worlds. You know, that people want to be followers of Christ. They know they want to be saved. They want to be going to heaven. But at the same time, they still like the world. They want to be a part of the world too. They want to fit in with the world. And it is clear in the Bible that Christians can't possibly fit in with the world. We just we don't go together. There's just some things that don't mix. But Christians still try to do it. They still try to fit in and it always results in major problems. And what we really need to do is we need to pick a side. And look at in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15, you all know this verse, but remember what Joshua said? He said, "Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know, I would go as far as doing like Joshua and saying that I think you all would be better off to say, you know what? I reject Christianity. I'm going full-fledged atheist. I'm getting out of church and just going to do what the world does than trying to be a Christian and be a little Christian, bit of Christian, a little bit of the world. You need to pick a side. And that's what Joshua said. Whenever they finally they made it through uh, the wilderness, they crossed over into Jordan and they fought some of those battles and they were ready to possess that promised land, they get there and Joshua says, you know, it's time for you all to choose. And Israel had gone back and forth when they were in the wilderness. They remember when they made the golden calves. You know, gods of Egypt. They were constantly, you know, complaining and murmuring and wondering if they should go back to Egypt where it was easier. And finally, they are there. They are in the promised land. And Joshua tells them, pick a side. Choose today whom you're going to serve. And he wanted them to take it serious. And if you go on, we're not going to read it all. But they said after Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They said, we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua, it's like he tried to talk them out of it. He says, you cannot serve the Lord. You know, he's not going to forgive your sins when you do these things. And he just, it's like he's trying to talk them out of it. But they kept saying, no, we will serve the Lord. And I don't think it's because Joshua wanted them to go back to Egypt. I don't think it was because Joshua wanted them to choose the other gods, but he knew they needed to take this serious. And you know what? I almost feel like today, what we need to be doing in church 
is not figuring out how to get more people in, but how to get some people out. Okay, now I'm not trying to. I don't want to run anybody out here tonight. Okay, I really like Joshua. I don't want anyone in here. I don't want anyone that's a part of this church to leave here and never come back and go into the world. That's not what I want. However, we would be better off if you're one of those that's trying to be a little bit of both. We'd be better off if that's what you did. I even think you would be better off if that's what you did. You think how can that be? You know, you can't. You can't mix Christianity with the world. They don't go together. You know, you can't mix poison and good water. It all becomes poison, doesn't it? And churches today are falling apart because there are so many people in there that shouldn't be there. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. And the people answered not a word. You know what was going on right there? People, you know, there's this, you know, right now the Baal worshippers are kind of in charge. You know, during Elijah's time, he was pretty lonely. There were some righteous people during his time, we see. But I mean, you got King Ahab, you got Queen Jezebel. They have wicked leadership. Israel's wicked at this time. And the people, you know, they're, they're just kind of checking the wind. You know, there is a guy named Elijah who's standing for the truth who's you know telling people they need to follow the Lord and he's there and he's asking the people you know y'all need to choose you're halted between two opinions and he asks them you know who are you going to serve and they don't say anything you know why i think they're just looking over their shoulder waiting for someone else to say something they're waiting for you know they're just going to see what the masses do and what the masses do that's what they're that's what they're going to do we constantly saw that in Israel you might remember the story of was it Jehu or Jephthah that called for uh, they were going to have a feast or something for Baal? And he told everybody, if you don't come to this thing, we are going to kill you. And then all these people came to this thing for Baal who didn't even worship Baal, but because they were scared, because they were cowards, because they didn't want to die, and then he killed all those people that came to the thing for Baal. Uh, you know, kind of double, he, he want, you know what he was trying to do? He was trying to get rid of those who were wishy-washy, those who didn't know what side they were on. And I know that sounds like a dirty trick, and we would never do anything that extreme around here, but at the same time, it's so important that people make a decision, and most people today, they have no clue where they're at. They're always just checking the wind, wanting to see you know, what the masses are doing, and you never want to choose your side based on which way the wind is blowing. Psalms chapter 1, we see how, where it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay, there's, there's always been more ungodly people than godly people, right? That's very clear. And he says, you know, it says in that chapter, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know, the ungodly, they just go with the flow. They go whichever way the wind is blowing, don't they? And you know what? If the good are in control, if the good are prevailing, the ungodly will go along with the good. We see times in this country where there have been great revivals and times when you know the masses, when most people went to church, most people claimed to be Christians. But you understand though that many of those people, they weren't the real deal. They were just kind of going with the flow. There was a time, and there's still places in this country, if you go down to the Bible Belt, I mean, if you're not a Baptist, you're not really a Christian. Everybody's a Baptist down there. 
aren't they? I mean, you know, that even Bill Clinton called himself a Baptist, didn't he? You know why? Because he was governor of Arkansas. And everybody's Baptist in Arkansas. When I go visit my uncle's church in Arkansas, we will drive by five or six Baptist churches just to get to his church. Okay, now I understand those many of those Baptist churches are not Baptist churches, but they all use that name because that's the name you got to use there. And but many of those people, they are not God's people. They are not saved people. That's the way the wind's blowing in that part of the country. But most of them are not the real deal. But Bill Clinton, he was Baptist. Jimmy Carter was a Baptist. You know, and it's you know, you look at these people, and it's like, no, there's no way. But all you have to do is look at where they're from. When they're from Catholic areas, they're Catholic. When they're from Mormon areas, they're Mormon. They just and they're ungodly. And you know what? They're going with the wind, whichever way the wind's blowing. And that's not what we do. We want don't want to be like the chaff because what are we going to do? When the wind starts blowing in another direction, you know what are they going to do down there in the in the Bible Belt where everybody's Baptist when all the Baptists, you know, go liberal? <laughs> and we've seen they all go liberal, don't they? they? I mean, we've seen what they do. They all go right along with the world. I mean, you can't even tell that you are amongst Christian people in some of those places. If you were, you know, if you go there and listen to the music in those churches, you would never know. That unless if you didn't hear the words that these people were trying to praise God, you wouldn't know that. And did you know down south, even in the church, the Baptist churches that preach the right doctrine, their music is terrible down there. Their music would not fly in churches up north. But you know how did how did that happen? That's just the way the wind's blowing down right down right there right now, and so they all just got on board with it. Preachers that I mean are right online with us doctrinally, that are you know King James only people. You know they got drum sets in their church down there, and doesn't seem to bother anybody. Why? Because that's what everybody does down there. You know, and it's just going with the wind. You can't do that. And you know what? If they all start using electric guitars and have people with multicolored hair up there jamming away on it, you know, those churches will do it too. Okay. And we've so we've got to you can't just go off which way the wind's blowing. You got to draw a line in the sand somewhere, and you say, you know, we're staying on this side. We're not moving. Don't choose your side based on what you can see with your eyes of flesh. Second Kings chapter six verse seventeen. That's where we see the story where Elisha's there with his servant, surrounded by an army. Okay, they are surrounded by a multitude, and it's just the two of them and. His servant gets a little bit scared. Hey, we're losing. We are in big trouble. We are greatly outnumbered. And it's real easy for us sometimes to look at where we're at, you know, being Christians in this world, and say, you know what, we're kind of alone right now. We're by, you know, we're by ourselves. We are greatly outnumbered. Uh, many people, many of the churches that are going liberal and uh, going off in all these different directions, one of the things that excuses they use, they'll start naming all the people that are doing these same things. You know how many people I have heard justify the drum sets in church? And they, what they do to justify a drum set in church is they will name off big name preachers from down south. Well, brother so-and-so did it. And therefore, it's okay. Because brother so-and-so did it. Who cares? So if brother so-and-so gets rid of his King James Bible, are you going to get rid of your King James Bible? And the answer is yes. That's exactly what they're going to do. 
You know, they, they all start, you know, going casual on the dress, you know, preaching in a pair of blue jeans and t shirts. Is that what you're going to do? And the answer is yes. And that's exactly what they're doing. And they will point to preachers all the time. They'll start talking about how many of them are doing it. And one of the things, too, a lot of these Baptist magazines and things that are out there, they're put out by a lot of these young, you know, college age guys. And one thing they do all the time, they're constantly putting surveys in there on how churches do everything. I just had one send me one. They're, they're working on a thesis for something, and they sent one of these, um, yeah, they wanted me to fill out one of these surveys as to how we run certain things in our church. And I'm telling you, the way, you know, depending on the, what the majorities are doing on those things, I mean, that's how they justify a lot of that stuff. You know, whatever happened, you just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whatever happened, you just patterning things off of what you see in the Bible. You know, why are you going off what the masses do? Well, ninety percent of Baptist churches do it this way, therefore this must be right. Well, that's not how it works. That's not the way it's supposed to go. But yet, many people they look at what the masses are doing, and we see here in first uh, or in Second Kings six seventeen, Elisha prayed and said, "Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see." And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. The truth is, as far as eyes of flesh could see, they were greatly outnumbered. They were dead meat. But when it came to what was real, when you added the spiritual in there, they were in the majority, weren't they? And they won. And the truth is, when it comes to many things, even doctrinal things, many times people will look, what do the masses think? You know, what do the big names think? Instead of asking, what does God think? What does the Bible say on this area? And did you know, if the Bible teaches one thing and everyone else is teaching another thing, okay, we are in the majority, aren't we? Because we've got God on our side. We've got the writers of the Scriptures on our side. We've got the hosts of heaven on our side. You know everybody in heaven agrees with us. Okay, because they've got it right now. I mean, if it's if if God's on our side, we're in the majority. Sorry, you know that's just the, that's the way it is. But many people they don't look at that. It's what is everybody else doing? That's how they think. You know, and your attempt to play both sides, it's only going to confuse your children. Trying to play both, it's going to make those, and then not only are you going to confuse them. Okay, remember the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're just checking the wind all the time, if you're doing what most people are doing, if you're just following the masses, okay, that that never works following God. It never works being a Christian, and you are going you are going to make Christians look bad. And I want to show you something here because. You know, we get accused of a lot of things as Christians, okay? And some things that we get accused of are legitimate to a certain degree. But, you know, there are some situations, too, that the world puts us in where we just can't win. And I'll show you something here in a second. But look at Zephaniah chapter 1 first. Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 4 says, I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Chimerims with the priest and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops and them that worship and swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm. Okay, He's going to cut off these people that swear by the Lord and 
swear by Malcolm. People who are swearing by the true God and the false God. He said, I'm, I'm just cutting those people off. Now, wait a minute. You know, there's, they follow God too. Yeah, but they're following other gods at the same time. And you know what? People who are following after other gods okay, and say they're following after Christ too, they are going to end up making Christians look bad. Okay, now understand, we, we were talking about this a little bit this morning. We live in a world today where if a person says, if a person can be of the male gender, but if they say, I'm a female, they should be allowed to use girl bathrooms, go into girl locker rooms, all that stuff. That's the world we live in today. You know, we live in a, we live in a world today that, you know, on election during the primaries, you can just walk in there and say, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. You can, you can just say whatever. You don't have to do anything to prove that you're those things. And you know what? It's the same thing in churches today. If people say, I'm a Christian, we're not supposed to question that, are we? Donald Trump says, I'm a Christian. And you look at his morals and you think, no, there's no way he's a Christian. And then you're the bad guy because you question his religion. How dare you question someone else's faith? Well, I'm sorry. You know, in fact, I see in the Bible where it talks about marking those you know, who are you know, sending, uh, you know, bringing in false doctrine or causing division, things like that. If someone's preaching another gospel, the Bible says, let them be accursed. Look at that person like they're lost. We are supposed to look at those things. You know, and yet we're told we're not allowed to do that. But yet, if somebody just says, I'm a Christian, we've got this attitude that we've got to go along with it. We've just got to accept that for what it is. And it doesn't matter if their actions say something completely different. And the truth is, people that we allow into this church that say they are Christians, that say they are Baptists, if they are living like lost people, it makes the whole church look bad, doesn't it? And this is a situation where we can't win. Because as Christians, we're always told not to judge. But then, when a Christian does something bad, the world wonders why we didn't do anything about it. Okay? If we've got somebody sitting in this church okay, and they are a pervert, okay, and we kick them out of the church because of that, well, how dare you be judgmental? You know, They can't help it. They were born that way. That's their orientation. But then, if that person, we leave them in the church and then they do something to hurt one of the little kids around here, why didn't that church do anything about it? How Can, can you imagine? What a bunch of hypocrites... In that church, I mean, what kind of church you know has perverts and stuff in it? One that doesn't judge, you know, one that doesn't throw out people that shouldn't be in the church. But everybody does. They tell you not to judge. You get in trouble when you throw somebody out of the church. But then when bad things happen in the church, you get in trouble for that too. You got people living in adultery, and you tell them, "Sorry, you can't join the church." Oh, what a terrible church! Oh, you're legalist. You're this. You're that. You're judgmental. But then you got people living in adultery in your in your church. Wow, what a sad testimony that is. And and you'll get that from the same people too. We can't win, can we? And you know, that's why we just gotta ignore what the world says. We just gotta do what's right. But what are we what are we doing? We're telling people pick a side. Okay, if there's a couple that are living in adultery and they come and they're visiting this church, it's not that we want to you know, we're just anxious to kick people out because we don't like adulterers, man. We just want to No, we want them to pick a side, don't we? Hey, are you going to serve the Lord? Well, if you're going to serve the Lord, you can't continue living in adultery like this. And we want people here that want to serve the Lord. We want people here that love God. And the Bible still says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And 
is in our homes, we have got to just decide, you know, as parents, we got to decide, are we Christians or are we of the world? If we are Christians, we need to act like Christians. We need to follow the Word of God. We need to follow the commandments of God. And then what we need to do, we need to make our choice the focal point of our life. Okay? Make your choice the focal point of your life. Too many people, when it comes to Christianity, it's just, it's, it's a side thing to them. It's something that it's not real important. It's something that they do because it's fun. You know, let's go to that church. It's fun. Let's go to that church. I like the people. Let's go to that church. They got cool programs in that church. It has a lot to offer our kids. We'll have a real good time. But listen, it, whatever choice, if you decide that you want to live for the Lord, make it the focal point of your life. And if you decide you want to live for the devil, make it the focal point of your life. So, what? Yeah, do it. Just that way we know who you are. That way people know who you are. Go out, you know, dye your hair black, wear white makeup, wear dark eyeshadow, you know, black lipstick, paint your nails black, you know, do all that stuff. That way it is real clear. Okay? We need we uh, this this blend of Christianity and Satan. It's confusing everybody, isn't it? We would be better off having two clear sides. Wouldn't it be nice if in an election we had two really clear choices? But a lot of times you're looking at them and you're like, they're no different. <laughs> there's not there's not a bit there's not a big difference, and it's frustrating. And listen, there's a clear difference between Christ and Satan, but yet why can't people seem to figure out what it is? It's because there are so many that are blending the two. And look at Matthew chapter six, verse twenty two. It says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. When it talks about the, if the light of the body is the eye. In other words, what you're focused on, if your focus is on that which is right, if your focus is on good, if your focus is on light, everything in your life will be good. Everything will be light. Everything will be right. But if the focus of your life is darkness, everything in your life is going to be darkness. And then it goes on to just say, it makes it more clear when it says, you cannot serve God in mammon. You cannot choose to serve God and serve you know, after money, the things of this earth. You can try doing a little bit of both, but you know, you, you can try that, but it doesn't work. You gotta pick one or the other. You gotta choose if you're gonna serve God or serve mammon. To serve the things of this world, you are so much better off just picking one. People they're always distressed, they're always confused because they're trying to you know, they're trying to play both and you can't do that. You know, just decide, you know what, I'm gonna serve the Lord. I'll, you know, I'll let the Lord provide for me. I'm going to stay in His will. I'll do what He wants me to do. He'll take care of my needs. But most people are like, no, you know, I'd like to serve the Lord, but you know, I'd like to be pretty rich too. I know we got a mansion in heaven, but I wouldn't mind having an earthly mansion. I wouldn't mind having some nicer cars. I wouldn't mind the bass boat and you know all these things that the world has to offer. Listen, if you try doing both, you're going to fail at serving God. Okay, and you've got to make 
serving God the focal point. And you know, He might give you some of those things. I'm not saying He won't, but I'm not saying He will either. But you've just got to decide, am I serving the Lord or am I serving the things of this world? And make that choice the focal point of your life. Just give it all to Christ. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Okay, we are, I mean, the, you know, who are you serving? Who are we serving as a family? Are we serving God or are we serving man? If you're serving man, then you're going to need to do what man wants you to do. If as a church, we've got to decide, are we serving God or are we serving man? If we're serving God, we're going to stick to doing what the Bible teaches. We're going to teach all of what the Bible says. We are going to be going out trying to win people to Christ. If we're serving man, we can become a community church. And you know, one that just sponsors community events and does giveaways and does what the world wants. One that dresses down so the world, you know, the world can feel more comfortable when there is among us. You know, one that entertains the world and does all the fun stuff. That's what we can do if we're serving man. But you know what? If you want to be, if we're going to be a community church, then let's just go be a community church and stop pretending we're serving God. Let's just become a charitable organization that's all about just you know helping people and. You know, being a part of the community and making everybody feel good and not excluding anyone. Or we can be what God has told us to be. And many churches, they're trying to be both. And you can't do it. And those churches that try to be both, you see their doctrine getting messed up. You see, you know, holy living and standards going out the window. I mean, you just, you see the, all the, the worldly influence coming in. And then you see the people in those churches. And not only do they look, act, and smell just like the world, but they have all the same problems that the world has too. And you know, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to have. I don't want to deal with the same junk that the world deals with. I don't want to have that in my home. I don't want to deal with those things. And so you know, just make serving God the focal point of your life. You know, set spiritual goals, and then work together as a family to achieve those goals. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had a clear goal. He knew what he was trying to do. And I'm telling you, that is, that is so important. You know, growing, you know, I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad started the church. And I'm telling you, in our home, serving the Lord, it was the focal point of our life. There were times when it wasn't real fun. There were times when it was difficult. There were times when it seemed like everybody was mad at us and hated us and, you know, we weren't really accomplishing anything, but and it would have been a lot more fun to just move on, move somewhere else, go do something else. But you know, we weren't about it was you know just making us happy. It was about serving the Lord. It was about making sure we were in the will of God. You know, and in our family, I need mean, this church. It's a focal point of our life. This is what God wants us to do. Yeah, there's other things that we could do. That might be more fun. That maybe would you know we think would make our life easier, but at the same time, are we living for the Lord or are we living for ourselves? Are we serving God or are we serving Mammon? If I decide I want to serve Mammon, I need to just stop pastoring right now and just get out of church completely. That way, I'm not you know confusing you all and just bringing you down with me. I should just get out, or I can just serve God and keep doing what I'm doing and not worry about the Mammon. And in the meantime, said if I try playing both, I'm going to confuse my kids. They're not going to know, uh, you know, what we're living for. They're not going to understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. But we've got to just you. You got to get all in. Too many people, 
They want to be Christians. They want to go to church, but they don't want to take it too serious. And it's just it's like a part time thing. And you know what? You're just not going to do real good on the part time stuff. And we need to just it's got to be the focal point. It's got to be the goal. You know. And then finally, you need to remove all temptations or anything that will try to draw you back to your old ways. Because even if you decide, you know what, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. There are still going to be temptations to want to, after when things get difficult, to want to turn back. First Samuel chapter seven verse three. Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. Now why didn't Samuel say, you know what? You all have a history of going back and forth to Baal and Ashtaroth. So why don't you all, instead of destroying those idols, why don't we just store them somewhere? And then later, that that would be foolish, wouldn't it? No, he destroy them. Why? So they would be less likely to go back to those things. Get completely get rid of them. You know what a lot of people do whenever they make decisions. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit listening to my rock music. They'll go and they'll store their rock music in a box somewhere in their house. Well, sorry, then it's too easy to just go back and get that box. You know what you need to do? You need to go burn them. I'm gonna stop watching the bad movie. They'll go store the movie somewhere. No, go burn the movies. You know, go destroy those things. Get rid of those things. Yeah, I'm going to quit drinking. Dump the liquor down the drain. You know, remove those temptations. And too many times, it's like people there. You know, they want to hang on to those things. They just can't completely get rid of it. But no, you have to completely get rid of it. If you know that I'm going to be tempted to go back to these things, you get it far as far away from you. As you can, remove those things from your house. Don't let them be anywhere around. Otherwise, you might go back to them. Who was it, Cortez, that when he came over from Spain, they burned all their boats and things? Why? He didn't want, when things got tough, he didn't want his people saying, you know what, let's go back to Spain. So they, they burnt the boats and then they had to stay. And, probably a good idea. You know, sometimes we do. We need to burn some bridges. You know, we need to, we need to get rid of some things. That way there's no way we can go back. Oh, you don't know how much money I spent on all this stuff. Let me sell them. Why? So someone else can, you know, go be in bondage to those things? Destroy them. Burn them. You're, you're not going to want to buy them again. Uh, at least I would hope not. You know, get rid of those things. And then, you know, fix your heart problems before you fix your outside problems. Look at, go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. See, this is what happens many times. People are like, alright, I want to get my family together. We want to get everything in order. And unfortunately, most people, when it comes to church, all they can see are the outside things. You know, they'll come walking into church and all they can notice is how everybody's dressed. All they can notice are, you know, is, you know, the music and all the things that kind of go against their flesh, and they think, to fix my problems, I just need to start looking like these people. I need to start talking like these people. And they will conform to the culture of that church. But if you don't fix the heart problem, it's only going to be a matter of time. And 
you're going to go right back to your old way and all that outside stuff is going to come back too. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once. But in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. See, as even when we're saved, we've got to make that choice not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. We've got to understand that, hey, when Christ saves us, you know, we're, we're dead to sin now. We can't live in this anymore. And many people, unfortunately, they haven't got the heart thing fixed. They haven't been saved. And if, if your heart's not right, if your heart's not in what you're doing, it's only going to be a matter of time and you're going right back to what you're doing before. And you can you can fix all the outside stuff. I mean, you can look like the most fundamental Baptist that ever walked the face of the earth, but if your heart's not right, it's first of all, it's not going to last, and second of all, your kids are going to know it. Your family's going to be able to tell. Man, we look like good Christians, but you should see what goes on in our house. And then the problem with many people They grow up in a home where there's hypocrisy. They grow up in a home that is unstable because the you know the parents in the home are double-minded, and the only Christianity they really know is what they grew up with, and and in their minds it was fake, it was phony, and they don't want anything to do with it. And then they make a choice. Many of them, when they grow up, they make a choice. You know what? I'm making my choice. I'm not doing this playing both sides, and they choose the devil. And then you got these parents too. That and this this has always bothered me. You know, there'll be these parents that never were the real deal, that were the ones that caused all that instability, but they stay in church. You know, they still got the foot in the church, the foot in the world, and then they just act like their kids are horrible because they left. Listen, your kids at least made a choice. They at least made a choice to follow the devil. You still haven't even made your choice yet. You're the reason they chose the devil instead of choosing Christ. And if you ask me, you're better off with them. And you know that's why I said even in, in politics, I almost wish Donald Trump didn't say he was a Christian. I think I would like him better if he didn't say he was. Because if he wasn't, I would have hope, hey, this guy might get saved. And we do right. But when you have the ones that say they're a Christian act like they're born-again believers, that say all those things and then do other things, I just think reprobates. And I have no hope for those people. And I'm telling you right now, I do. I have more hope for that person that's out there living for the devil to see them get saved and live their life for the Lord than that person that's trying to play both sides. It just it doesn't work. It can't be done. And that person playing both sides, all they do is turn people away from the things of God. If you're trying to play both sides, you'll probably turn your kids away from God. And that's sad, but it's it's what happens. So you got to fix those heart problems. You got to make sure what you're doing is a real thing. Don't waste your time trying to please your please the world or other Christians. Galatians one nine says, as we said before, and so say I now again: If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which he have received, 
Let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If you're trying to please people, you're not serving God. You see that? For I do not, or for do I now, or uh, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Many people they're trying they're, they're trying to please everybody. What do people want to hear? What is it that people enjoy the most? There are preachers out there. They have figured out what people like to hear. They they know what people want them to preach. And they know how to get the crowds. Why? Because they're pleasing men. And they're doing a very good job pleasing men. But the Bible says if we're pleasing men, we're not the servant of Christ. And, you know, it's there's always pressure in the preachers sometimes. You know, hey, you know, you don't want to scare people off. You know, people don't like to hear this kind of stuff. Well, if I'm just pleasing men, I'm not serving Christ, the Bible says. So then I'm not trying to cause trouble, but you know, preaching the truth, it's going to cause trouble sometimes. And we've got to decide what we're here for. Are we here for the community? Or are we here because we want to serve Christ and because we love Him? And what we do is not going to please the world sometimes. So don't just don't waste your time trying to do that. As a family, all right. Many times, family members where they really struggle is trying to please their other family members. You know, they're always worried about what their parents think or their brothers and sisters and their cousins, aunts and uncles. They don't want to look bad amongst their family members, and so they'll compromise like crazy. And listen, you know, you doing the right thing, it's going to make your family think you're weird. It's going to make them not like you. It's going to make them uncomfortable around you. But you know what? They're always wanting you to accept them. Well, they need to learn to accept you too. And you can still love your family and be a real Christian. You can still love your family and not compromise. But many people, uh, what would my family think if I did this? How would I face my family at the next family reunion? You know, they worry so much about what people think. You just got to get that out of your head. Who cares what people think? Who cares? What the world thinks, who cares what my family thinks, who even cares what people in the church think, I have decided who I'm going to serve. I'm serving the Lord. And then, last thing you need to do is you need to finally attack the enemy. You need, you need to... Many Christians are always on the defense and eventually you're going to get beat down unless you attack back. Okay, And who's the enemy? Well, it's not, you know, it's not each other. And it's not it's not even people in particular, but Second Timothy four ten, well known verse says, "For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world." Okay, he loved this present world. Demas was thinking about the earthly things, and it got him in trouble. It got him away from the will of God. And we need to learn to hate the world. Okay, not people. Okay, but the worldly thinking, the worldly way, worldly ways, the worldly philosophy. James four, chapter four, verse four: Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You know how you can be popular amongst the trendies is if you can figure out a way to look like you're you stand strong for the truth, while at the same time you're friends with everybody. Friends with all the other religions. You know, go tweet your picture with preachers from different denominations. 
you know, just all these things where everybody comes together. Listen, friendship with the world is enmity with God. You need to pick who your enemy is. Okay? If you're not sure, if you're one of these, if you're, if you're living in America and you're not sure who's right in the battle between the United States and ISIS, don't join the army. Okay? That, don't do that. We've had some people in there. You know, we got, we can't, we can't profile. There have been some Muslims that were in there. What was that one guy that killed a bunch of people? I forgot his name. Obama refused to call it terrorism. Uh, but, you know, there was, I forgot what, I forgot what his name was. It escapes me. But he didn't know what side he was on. We had that Bergdahl guy that got taken captive, you know, pretty much joined the other side, you know, to try to figure out what to do with him. I know what they ought to do with them, but you know they, you know we can't we can't do that either. But uh, you know you'd be better off joining the enemy and saying you know what I'm for ISIS than being in the American army and not sure. Because if you're on the American army, they're going to depend on you for some things, and it's going to be easier for you to cause more damage there. And you know what? We've just got to decide whose side we're on and pick a side. And start fighting for that side. And First John chapter two verse fifteen, you know, it says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." We cannot get caught up in the things of this world, and we've just got to decide. You know what? This world, this the worldly philosophy, it's my enemy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to attack it. I'm going to spread the truth. I'm going to set the example. I'm going to go against the flow. I'm going to show the world what's right. I'm not going to do what the world says to do. I'm not going to discipline my kids the way the world says I should discipline. I'm not going to go along with the things that they're teaching. I'm going to do the right thing. I know what side I'm on. I know there. I know there's good and I know there's bad. I know God's way is good and what the world says is bad. Too many people have this attitude. No, it's all good. Everybody's good. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. You know, don't ever judge anybody. No. There's good and there's bad. And what this world is teaching is bad. And if you're telling your family, ah, it's no big deal, it's okay, well then, what's the big deal if I do what the world's doing? Hey, if it's, if it's okay you know, to be liberal in your Christianity and go to a liberal rock and roll church, if we're not going to have a problem with that, if we're not going to act like there's anything wrong with that, then maybe our kids are going to be like, okay, well... Maybe I want to go to that kind of church. Maybe that's what I want to do. But no, that's wrong. That's wicked. And we've got we've got to you know teach. There's some black and white things. There are some things that are very clear. Stop trying to just blend everything together. It does not work. You need to make a decision of who you're going to follow. If you don't, your kids are only going to grow up confused, and they're going to be bitter about the things of God if you try playing both sides. Just make it clear. You know, no spouse wants to have to wonder if their husband loves them or their wife loves them. You want to know those things. And you know, people they do, they like some security, they like assurance, and we need to make sure it's clear in our homes what side we're on. And if it's the Lord's side, man, get all in, give it a hundred percent I mean, be, I mean, get every bit of it you can. Do everything you can. If you like the world, do yourself and everyone a favor. It's like, alright, I'm in. 
I'm, I'm going for the world. I'm out of church completely. I'm living for the devil. Go get a T-shirt with a great big pentagram on it. You know, wear satanic symbols, swastikas, whatever you want. Do you know, do do all that? You would. Everyone would be better off if you did that than trying to play both sides. You are going to end up confusing your families. And you know what I've you know what I've seen from experience. You know what a lot of families do that are trying to play both sides? What they use to help their children cope? Sorcery. Drugs. You know how many you know how many young Christian kids, even ones that are going to Christian schools, that are having to take all these medications from pharmacies? Why? Because I've seen that because they have no idea whose side they're on. They go to a church that preaches the truth, that stands for the truth, and they're surrounded by people, you know, even in their homes, and they just don't know. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are, and it messes them up mentally. And I have seen Christian people get involved in sorcery with the little kids. Your little kids do not need to be on mind-altering drugs. I'm sorry, and you might not like it that I called it sorcery, but look up the term sorcery, and it comes from the word pharmakia, same where we get pharmacy. And those people in the white coats, they might as well be wearing long robes and pointy hats. I'm telling you, that's what they are. They're, they're stinking sorcerers. And I, yeah, maybe they make some good stuff, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of black magic going on in those places. And we need to stay away from it and be very, very careful. And on that fine note, we want to go ahead and stand right now. Pick a side.